Hi everyone, welcome to uh, to the Green Room. Um, this is a new podcast that Nick and I are going to do. I'm James. I'm Nick. Hi, um, and uh, every week we're going to come and chat to you for about 25 minutes about something remotely topical and uh, to do with energy saving, to do with you know the green economy or whatever. Um, and we're going to talk you through various bits and pieces. Uh, we lasted our um, our video a couple of weeks ago, and we got loads of complaints about uh, the choice of, of music that I put on it, which was slightly hurtful. Um, but yes. uh, as well as that, um, the the sound quality was was terrible. So I apologise if you had to watch that, and hopefully this is marginally better. But look, you know, since then we had a comment about uh, get some mics and a mixer. Here we are. We here have we a are. mic and a mixer behind the camera. Got an editor, we, I mean, we've got all sorts. I mean, we're seriously we're going going up. So we take our feedback seriously. <laughs> we do, very we good. Do. So thank you very much for that, and keep them coming. Right, okay, so what we're going to do is, is we're going to talk about solar again. We talked about it last week, but obviously we had so many uh, comments, constructive feedback, mm -hmm. uh, that we thought we'd, we'd readdress it and, and hopefully talk a bit more sense. Um, and then uh, and then we're going to see see how we get on, basically. Mm -hmm. So the question that we're going to answer is, is it's uh, now almost Christmas. It's December the 14th, I think. Yes. December 14th, um, and uh, the solar feed-in tariff finishes next uh, spring. And so the question we're going to answer is, is solar panels, is it worth getting solar panels on your roof now as a sort of domestic customer? So, Nick, solar panels, mm -hmm. what are they, what do they do, why would, you, why would you even get them? So when you're talking about solar panels in this particular format where they generate electricity, you're talking about PV, mm -hmm. photovoltaic. So essentially, you'll have panels that are about a metre wide and a metre high, sit on your roof in a combination together, uh, installed um, to your electricity box, essentially. So when the sun is shining, it is generating electricity. When the sun is not shining, you're not getting any power. So it's what we call an intermittent uh, energy source. Mm -hmm. So, and the performance in terms of that um, energy source varies in the winter and summer. So in the summer, typically the days are much longer uh, and therefore we get more light. Mm -hmm. The more light we get, the more electricity that we generate. Fine. In the winter, the days are shorter, the less light we get, the less electricity that we generate. So a bit how we talked about the previous video, uh, it's just worth to just quickly dissect the history of how it's worked in the UK. So in about 2010, 2011, um, not quite sure on the exact dates, but we had fairly generous feed-in tariffs. And this, the feed-in tariff essentially is, or was, a very generous subsidy that's still in existence um, that was paid, first of all, to any kilowatt hours of electricity that you generate on your house, so that's your generation. Mm -hmm. And also you get a supplementary export um, payment for the feeding tariff so this is a 50% is what Ofgem and the government assume that you will export back to the grid so 50% so, so when we're talking about solar PV here we're talking about grid tied systems grid tied systems so this isn't someone living in the middle of the woods and they want to put yeah. 10 solar panels on their roof and it's different to solar thermal just to say which which is still using solar energy but producing hot water hot water exactly so uh, very, very generous feeding tariffs at the beginning something like 45 46p uh, people essentially Got it as a as a as a you know an investment yep. essentially. Uh, so actually made a lot of sense because you know those systems paid back within a few years. 
you get 12 16 panels uh, and actually because of the generosity of it it was it made an economic sense to do it mm -hmm. but over time um, we've had digression uh, so i.e the rates have lowered every uh, three months so off gem who are the regulator they've said well because of the the price of the panels is going down and the, and the price of the panels has gone down a lot that's worth mentioning yes. so they, it was you'd be paying 15k Yes. In 2010, 2011, for a three and a half, four kilowatt system, and now you're paying about six and a half grand. Yeah, and then, and actually, I think we're we're going to go on to it. But since there are fewer fewer few solar companies now putting the panels on, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of the result of the, the feeling tariff falling, the price of getting it installed has gone up slightly. Mm -hmm. um, we'll come on to it in a minute. But my sister's got some quotes now. Uh, and they were up at, it was £11,000, £12,000 for a quote mm -hmm. for a four kilowatt system on our roof, mm -hmm. right? And, um, you know, yeah, two yeah. years ago, Expensive. it was five, mm -hmm. six. So so I think there, there are fewer companies that are charging more or charge what they can get away with. Um, and it's also worth saying, so even if you came on to those really generous rates, whatever happens to the feed-in tariff, you know, if if they say stops in, in April, which yeah. we're going to come on to in a second... The, the rate that you were locked in when you first had the system installed and commissioned is the rate that you'll get for that 20-year period from the date that you've had it installed. So, so don't worry. We had some comments on, uh, on the YouTube that um, you know, people are worried that you know, if, if, if the government get rid of the feeding tariffs, what will happen to, to the rates that they've been locked in at? So and, and I think that actually initially it was 25 years, mm -hmm. right? So when the feeding tariff was very, very generous mm -hmm. at 45p, mm -hmm. you were getting that for 25 years. And now it's dropped down to 20 years, and obviously the, the amounts have come right down. Mm -hmm. So basically, to recap, I've got solar panels on my roof, Yes. ideally south-facing, to capture as most, you know, as much sunlight as possible. Between southwest and southeast. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so I'm producing electricity. For every unit of electricity I produce, I get paid something called the generation tariff, for that, and that's metered. You know, so they actually put a meter on and they, and they record that. And then I also get paid at the export tariff, and that is exactly 50% of, of what I generate, because they take your generation reading and they halve it. So you get paid that payment, and then obviously you get the free electricity as well. And it's a grid-tied system. Grid-tied system. So the payments now, so if, if you were to get solar panels installed on your roof today, have you got the numbers? I think uh, you're, you're the numbers man. Let's. Uh... <laughs> so you've got. Um, so you get paid three point eight six pence to generate one unit of electricity, right? So that is a massive reduction on the uh, on the sort of forty five. Forty p's. Yeah. Um, and that is provided that your energy performance certificates so on the day that you get the system commissioned, the EPC rating on your house has to be D or better to get that. So if you have a very inefficient house, so you know, 1920s house, no insulation, no loft insulation, rubbish heating system, and you get solar panels installed, potentially you're not even gonna get that generation tariff. So the lower generation rate is 0 0.2. Um, so 0.2 pence per kilowatt hour, which to be honest, you're not really getting anything. It's actually like you've got there, nothing there. Got so nothing yeah. There. So, you have to, number one, if you're going to do solar, you have to get your EPC rating up to band D or better before you even consider it. 
And I think it used to be the case, and we may get comments on this, but it used to be the case that the solar PV you could install and that you could then get the EPC, and if it took it over the D, yes. you then benefit, whereas they've, they've stopped that. Because it, adds, it has a underlying SAP score, so all the all domestic EPCs, they're rated between 1 and 100. 100 is very good, 1 is very bad. We'll talk about EPCs in a second, but essentially a band, band D would be you know early 60s. To, to early seventies type rating. Yes. So uh, okay, and then and so then so that's what I generate. Um, and then on my export, I get five point two four pence, I think, um, which is uh, it's obviously it's gone up slightly mm -hmm. over time. Um, and these numbers, all the the payments you're getting and whatever rate you lock in at, you they will then go up with inflation. Um, so uh, it, it's you know, and where are we going to get to in April nineteen? So April nineteen, they're planning on cancelling it completely. So there will be no feeding. But you will still be protected. That the important thing is for people who have yeah. If you've if you've already had the solar panels installed and you've been commissioned and you're receiving a feed-in tariff before that date, you will receive that feed-in tariff for however long it lasts. So it's twenty five years or twenty years, depending on, on when you signed up for it. So the payments are obviously still going to come in. Now that being said. Not everyone cares about the feed-in tariff, so they will get solar panels for different reasons. Obviously, mm -hmm. if someone's going to give you money, mm -hmm. you'd be foolish to say no. Um, but people are getting solar panels because they're heating their homes with you know, electricity, which actually, if you look at the price of electricity compared to the price of gas, electric heating is about four times the price. So if I'm producing free electricity... You know, there's, there's benefits there. Yeah, and listen, you know, the, the more volatile our, our supply of fuels is, for instance, and, and currency movements, and, and also just the general trends in terms of where electricity prices are going, it, it is, as you were just alluding to, it's a great way to protect yourself in, in, the, in the long run, as, you know, as one of the reasons why it's, it's still kind of making sense. But what I would say is, it probably doesn't make sense to do as a, as a standalone measure. A measure, what I mean is, you know, having just that one thing mm -hmm. physically installed because you can't just, you know, walk up onto the roof and just fasten them. You do need someone professional uh, that will put up scaffolding and have good access. Uh, and then you need a you know fairly stable roof to, to do it. So I'm thinking more that, you know, if, if people are out there looking to make bigger improvements onto their property. So say they're looking to do a side extension, back mm -hmm. extension. That's time to do it. Replacing lo roof. Loft, yeah, roof, yeah, yeah. roof replacement. Because you're going to do those things anyway, you you can kind of spread those costs on onto a bigger project. And, and I'd also, I'd say that when you get solar installed, you know, you if you have one solar panel or 40 solar panels, you still need all the, I'm going to use the word, you know, the rubbish that goes with it. So mm. inverters and all the cabling and that sort of thing. The accessories. Exactly. I was going to use the word gubbins. But I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so you, you know, you, you still need that. So actually, the solar panel itself isn't that expensive. So if you have a big roof space, you may as well go to town if you're going to get solar because your returns will be better. You know, the more solar panels you get, you still need the inverter. And the inverter is a big part of the cost. Mm -hmm. um, so... So, but I think that the solar industry now is changing because of the introduction of battery technology. So Tesla Powerwall will set you back what's uh, about six grand yes. just for the units, and then a couple of grand to install it. So it's a lot of money. But basically, the what what you're doing here is you're producing electricity during the day. Now, um, if you've you know if you're out during the day, so you've got jobs or whatever you're doing, you can't use that electricity 
you can store the electricity you're producing and then use it during the evening to watch telly or have the lights on or cook or whatever you need to do. Um, and I think more and more people are doing that because it sort of protects them against, as you say, you know, changes in electricity prices. Yes, and and, um, and and we don't. I mean, domestic prop, domestic dwellings in terms of energy consumption, unless you work from home or you know you're, you're at home for the majority of the day. Normally, uh, by nine o'clock you're in in the workplace, and after five thirty, Some, sometimes back. at nine, sometimes marginally later. Yeah, sometimes. marginally later. But um, you know, there's 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 peaks. Uh, and troughs in terms of when you use it for in, in, a, in a domestic environment. So what you really want is from this storage system, because the what you know what I talked about the intermittency of the power source, you need that then storage to be used at the times when you really need it. So I, when you come in the evening and you make your tea, um, you're going to be using various appliances. So like ovens, kettles, you know. Tea. But it's but it's an expensive thing. I think the what we haven't mentioned is um, you know six and a half k. Big outlay, six thousand pounds, eight thousand pounds with install, expensive. There are cheaper batteries, but there are things uh, like solar diverters. Yes. So like the Apollo right. Gem. Yes. Um, and so how this works is, um, basically, I've generated all the electricity. I'm being paid as if I'm exporting fifty percent. So if I export one hundred percent of my electricity or zero percent of my electricity back to the grid, I still get fifty percent payment. Right. Yes. What the um, what the solar optimizers do is they. Basically, whenever your house is producing an excess of electricity, instead of sending it back to the grid, mm -hmm. it will send it to something like your immersion. Yeah, so you're you're being paid if you're exporting fifty percent, but it's trying to minimise what you're exporting, so you can reap the benefits of the free electricity. Mm -hmm. So these are about two hundred and fifty quid. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I remember my my um, brother's old house; they had solar panels, and they from between April and October they just didn't have to have heating on at all because they didn't need any you know they didn't need to produce the hot water because this optimizer was producing all of that hot water so, so optimizers essentially it's, just, it's a box that sits between the system and your uh, consumer unit essentially yeah and the and, and the and the storage and it's really what you're producing from your solar panels and what your house is using in terms of electricity and as soon and as there is an excess normally that would be sent back to the grid but this little gadget basically pings it to your immersion. You can put it into storage cheaters. You can do all sorts of quite clever things with it. Slightly cheating in the sense that, you know, uh, you assume that whatever the excess is would go back into the grid. But actually, so, so you're not giving back. Yes. Yeah. So but you're still getting the 50%. You're still getting the 50%. So it's a way to get, it's a way to use the electricity. It's we, fairly legitimate. It's way. a legitimate way. I mean, we get lots of uh, lots of comments on it because people sort of think you're cheating the system because you're you've got a grid type system and therefore you should be putting electricity back into the grid to help the grid survive. You know, we've got power stations closing down left, right, centre. We've got twenty percent of our power comes from nuclear, and they're all due to close in the next five six years. Um, so we will see a step change reduction in our electricity production. So. If people are producing their own electricity and they feed it back into the grid, in theory, that helps. But I know that, you know, actually the gov the grid isn't flexible enough to accept electricity from all these little producers. You know, if we all have, if there's 27, 28 million homes in it's the It's a UK, Victorian system. It's, yeah, um, it's, it's archaic ready, and it's, it's not quite... Not ready to have 27 million micro people sending electricity back to the grid and stuff. But I'll tell you what, that's what, um, it's, it's important what you said there. I mean, that's what got me involved in this in, in this industry is is the fact that you know i can see and although it is archaic and it's still 
very Victorian in its uh, design and its makeup and its um, delivery. It is, it is slowly changing and the investments are taking place and it will take place over the next 10, 15, 20 years to make it a lot more demand driven, a lot more local, local driven. Because I think it has to be because at the moment we have to be ready to hit peak demand, which is mm-hmm. kind of sensible. You know, if everyone turns on their kettle at halftime of the World Cup final, then we have to be ready to meet that electricity demand. Um, however, if there are ways that we could get businesses to use electricity at different times, running machinery at different times, encourage them to do that, you know, the off-peak management, um, then then there are ways to minimise that peak demand, mm-hmm. uh, which are obviously going to come into play. But obviously it needs to be able to take in, instead of having four or five big nuclear power stations delivering all of our electricity, you know, the, the losses upon the grid are massive from that kind of delivery mechanism. So if we have lots of little power plants, so decentralise it, then it is going to work better, isn't it? Yeah. Um, um, just just going back, just to just finish on, on solar. So what would you, you know, based on what you've just, just said in terms of, so if I was a, if I was a homeowner now uh, in 2018 going to 19, yeah. what, what, would you, what would you do so in terms of solar PV? Number one, I get lots of quotes. Right, I, th- I think there are companies out there who are definitely going to try and take a decent payment yes. for getting put solar panels installed, probably more than they should be. And that, as, as basically as the feed-in tariff has dropped, a lot of the smaller companies have dropped out of the market. So there aren't as many solar PV companies out there, so they are charging more. So that's number one. So get loads and loads of quotes. If you're going to get a small system, so anything beneath three kilowatt, mm-hmm. me personally, I wouldn't bother. Right, I just don't think you're producing enough electricity to do that. I mean, for a house uses on average about four and a half thousand kilowatt hours a year, and I have three and a half kilowatt solar PV system, I'm looking at sort of two thousand nine hundred, three thousand mm-hmm. kilowatt hours I'll produce. So I in theory if I could use all that, I'm using sort of producing about two thirds of my electricity. If you're gonna put a one and a half kilowatt system on your roof now, the feed in tariff doesn't make it worthwhile. Yeah. Um so I I probably wouldn't go that way. Um, if I was off grid, or not when I say off grid, I mean off the gas grid more than anything. So I have to use either electricity to heat my home or oil or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would be probably, I, w- I would look at solar PV as a solution. Um, just because the cost of electricity is, it's four times the cost it's, of It's also to say, so if, say if you're in the city where you've got a mixture of low and high, high rises, shading is a, is, a, is a big part as well. So although you might be south facing, Mm-hmm. The fact that you know, if if there's a building there in front of yeah, the, the chimney of the goes sun, over or whatever, it, it can really hamper the amount you produce. Yes, the solar just on that point. So the solar panels. When I if I have ten solar panels in my solar array, the if you have one standard inverter, so one inverter on the whole lot. If I am um, if there's a chimney and it casts shading on one of the panels, all of those panels will operate at the worst at the rate of the worst performing panel. All right, so if one panel is operating at fifty percent production all of the other panels will operate at that level there are ways to get around it so something like a micro inverter yes so basically each solar panel has its own mini inverter expensive mm-hmm. to get um, if you're looking at a, a sort of a big inverter you're looking at like 1200 pounds to buy a proper inverter micro we had a lot of questions on this so there was a lot of people around you myself harry as well asking there's companies going around and uh, quoting you know how much the micro inverters will yeah and they were just charging 
They charge it a lot. They are charging right. a lot. I, so I think. Would you wait until the the old inverter goes? So wait, wait until the old inverter goes, because that will obviously always be installed with your system. Um, if your system is is guaranteed, they normally say the guarantee is about twenty five years for the system, but the inverter will tend to be half of that. So they'll say ten to twelve years. Um, you need to you need to look at that, and basically because the voltage is going through those big inverters is so high, they don't last that long. The microinverters they will last 25 years. So, tricky one. I mean, you've, you've kind of got to weigh it up and you've got to get 12, 12 years in, you've got to decide, do I get another inverter or do I get microinverter on the panels, get two quotes. It, yeah, it's tricky to weigh it up. Mm -hmm. You know, just on, you, but you need to look at the numbers and, and see what works best. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it helps if you've got 25 years and you're getting 45p per kilowatt you produce, i.e. the feeding tower from 2011. Because you're being paid potentially, you know, thousand pounds a year mm -hmm. to produce electricity, so suddenly actually spending that becomes a bit easier. So it's just worth mentioning in this uh, studio. Maybe next week we might get the voice. So uh, that that would be <laughs> Harry, who's our uh, producer, but she uh, she is uh, communicating with us, so just uh, keeping us on on topic and stuff. Um, she did just mention what is worth saying that um, the feed-in tariff is not only exclusive to solar panels so for instance oh, yes, you've got micro hydro all sorts of things um, CHP boilers yeah so um, that that sort of stuff so it's uh, um, not not uh, not limited to just um, solar PV so uh, I think um, and I would look at the rates so the rates do vary for the different technologies mm -hmm. right so you've, you've just got to have a look at that um, if you've got questions on feed-in tariffs then obviously you can come back to us but listen, yeah, just uh, give us give us the feedback on the um, on, on what we've discussed on on solar in the comments below. But we do need we're kind of pressed for time, so we're definitely on on solar PV. It's not the end of it. I mean, we'll talk about batteries in a whole load more mm -hmm. detail because that's becoming a big thing. Mm -hmm. But I think you're about to go on. We've got to move on Can't to energy on. performance certificates, which is uh, so EPCs. Right, EPCs <laughs> are really dry. Okay, so they are basically it's an, uh, every property in the UK, commercial, domestic, has an energy performance certificate. They last if it's been commissioned. So if, if, been if commissioned. someone's asked you to go out and yes. actually um, produce so if, one. if you're renting one or whatever, yes. if you've got to sell a house, you, you, it needs an. But it's quite likely that since they came in 2007, 2008, that a transaction would have taken place on that property, and therefore oh, it should have one. Sale, so it should have one. And EPC is valid for ten years. Let's do domestics, I guess, because that's the one. That yes. Most so so as I said, that uh, it gives you a so a little bit like your. Cars, your your uh, consumer, your your white goods like your uh, refrigerators, etc. They have a little sticker, you know, with A B C D F G in terms of tell, tells you the efficiency of it. Um, properties have the same thing. So on the domestic one is extremely bad, which is a G right at the bottom. So very inefficient property, and A is extremely efficient. So I and almost impossible to get. Almost impossible, yeah. You, you need, have to spend a lot of, you, so you get the cost benefit. Um, so it's, it's passive house standard, air tightness, it's probably you, got you micro generation. You would never retrofit to an A. Yeah. You wouldn't unless. You build uh, to an A. Yes. Unless, well, I mean, there might be some, some folks out there who want to kind of undertake <laughs> yeah, the project and, and, you know, the, the, the cost and the investment is, is not an issue and, and they, they want to, to, have to live in that type of. Property, but to, to get it to, to that point, it would be an extraordinary amount of work yeah. to do on that, and, and it would completely change the. So effectively, it becomes a bit like a new build. Yes. In its uh, in its final final format. Yeah. 
So, so uh, how much does an EPC cost? It um, uh, say varies. For instance, normally they are um, depending upon the the size of the property. So, like a flat, it might be say between fifty five to seventy pounds, and anything bigger, probably seventy to about hundred pounds. So, it just depends on the region of the country you're at. But essentially, involves an assessor going around to the property, spending about half an hour to forty five minutes, taking various measurements within that property looking at all the energy emitting devices, so like boilers, um, the fabric, for instance, so the fabric has a big input, so you know, how much uh, energy can, you know, uh, escape, is that fabric got insulation, so insulation obviously helps. Um, bad windows don't help, good windows help, so things like that, they will look at those things, that, but they can only go with what they see in the property, sometimes we so get we, comments we like, we, we why is my energy, comments. you know, why, you know, I've, I've, I don't know, replace my 1990s double glazing with, you know, 2010 double glazing. Why is the rating going to go up by one point? Yeah. And it's important to say that the the standards or, or uh, the methodology of how the EPCs have been calculated is a little bit of a simplistic methodology. But also, if you think about it, windows in terms of the absolute area of, of, of a property... Compared to the wall, for example. ...are a, a smaller bit percentage. of that... So I think we're going to go. So future one, we're going to talk about what you know, top ten ways to improve the efficiency of your house in the most yes. way. So we won't go into that in too much detail now. Um, the Do you want to talk about commercial or? Well, just going back to EPCs. If you're if you require one when you're selling or renting a property, I I would advise not to go via your um, your estate agents or your lawyers to get one. I would go directly to an EPC company. The reason is you will pay a fraction of the price. Um, so that's definitely definitely Tip. worth doing. Mm -hmm. um, you will see massive uh, differences between two the same EPC done by two different people. Does that make sense? Yes. So, <clears throat> and the reason is is because, as Nick said, measurements. You know, measurements number one, but also the time and care. So I think this this whole industry, you know, people see it very much as a tick box exercise. You need an EPC to rent the property. They will therefore pay as little as they can to get one done. Um, Look, I think it's important. I think it's important generally to get the ma the best possible value. Well, it is now because of this means thing. Yes. So do you want to explain briefly about that? So I was just going to just, just add to what you said about um, if, if you... <clears throat> so for instance, so what I said there about the assessor only being able to put in the software what they see because it's a non-intrusive inspection. So yeah. they won't go around and... So they can't lift up the loft uh, boards and... Or floorboards, you know, yeah. if you've had floor insulations, for instance, or... Um, if you've had say internal insulation, they can't see. Yeah. Can't see that through the mm -hmm. pl plastering. So, if you have documentation in place, uh, the the time of when it was improved and if it was signed off by the installation company and that tells you, say for instance, for internal insulation, how thick it is, what materials have been used, then all that can go into the software and that will give you credit towards that EPC. And also, so, it'll definitely boost your rating. Yes. So you basically what you want to do is be as complete as possible and as honest as possible with your installer provide all the information they ask for so don't be annoyed by the, uh, the assessor if you know if they miss something out because of these legitimate reasons because they you know they, they haven't seen it or you know you weren't at the property to take them round to, yeah. to, to point things out so as you said there so it's it depends on the assessor depends on the measurements but also uh, this there's certain things you can do as the person requesting the dpc to to make sure the assessor is made aware of uh, some of these 
you know good bits that, that, that will obviously add up to the to the value yeah um and commercially pcs a bit more complicated a bit more complicated it's, it's more to do with um the, the type of business um the the, the, the property type and and how much energy is used um, for the use of that property. So, for instance, you know, if, if it's an office, it'll probably use majority of that on heating and lighting, but then, say, a warehouse or a, or a workshop will have complex machinery and okay. it'll be more ventilated. So and all those things like airflow, it's just it's just a lot more complicated. And software's more complicated. Software's it's convoluted more, as well, very convoluted It's more software. expensive to, to lodge a commercially PC than a residential PC, so you're going to be paying considerably more, right, to get these done. And it, it tends to depend on the complexity of the building, as you say. So if it's a big warehouse, despite it, you know, it might be a 20,000 square foot warehouse, relatively easy to do if it's just one big space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whereas if it's an office block or a hotel or something like that, it takes a bit longer. Um, in terms of but in terms base, of both, as you said, they are massively, massively key. So, so since April this year, the minimum energy efficiency standards came into force for uh, private rental for the private rental sector. So essentially, for both commercial and domestic, for commercial and domestic. So, so from from April, uh, if if I wanted to say move into a warehouse as a business, or I wanted to to rent out a flat. Uh, that that rating that on that EPC has has to have been better than rating E on on on, on both commercial and domestic. So where that had failed, um, obviously you know the um, the lawyers and the transaction uh, had you know had been held back on on that basis. So it goes back to the landlord mm -hmm. to then do something about it. So and and obviously that's a m massive topic in itself because you've got exemptions, you've got who pays for those improvements? Yeah, uh, you know, so why should for it? The future. Well, yeah, one for the future. But um, as you can see, it is it is moving in the direction where um, the you know we need to at a countrywide level, a global level, we we're committed to um, reduce the the CO two emissions. And I, I think that, you know in America, they're all, all the properties are made out of wood essentially, timber frame properties. They're really easy to make. Here we have unless you're in the east coast. And you're one of the Fine. Fine. but we you know we tend to have all the properties here yeah right so then we have a real issue that we have loads of old properties our housing stock is very inefficient mm -hmm. inefficient not inefficient mm -hmm. sorry um and so uh, i think the epcs i think the government will find a way to make them more relevant rather than this tick box exercise and i think they might in time tie them to council tax so it's just just important to say that so there has been a uh, consultation uh, that uh, the government have actually um, commissioned on energy performance certificates as one that we fed fed back to a few months ago. So there was you know certain changes that we we'd like to see uh, take place. So obviously you know if you're watching this video uh, after um, March the thirty first, i.e. the Brexit date, yeah, <laughs> things could could be, um, be I a mean, lot different. But it's, it's just to say you know, <laughs> at the time of us recording now, which is uh, December two thousand eighteen. Because this um, Brexit has taken a lot of government time, it's meant that certain things like the, the energy policy. sector and have you know not had that much priority, and therefore mm -hmm. it's not been that much committee time space taken towards it, and um, you know th therefore everything's kind of gone on to that one one issue. But um, you know we could be in a different place um, in two thousand nineteen. But 
there's definitely willingness on, on the government's part, certainly from the meetings I've been to, that um, are looking into EPCs, how to make them more sort of relevant. I don't think the, um, the one thing uh, that we get asked quite a mm. lot on the EPCs, so if, if you do, and this is commercial domestic, same thing, if you do loads of work to your property, so I'm just going to say this because I just remembered it, but if, if you do lots of work on your property, you don't need to get a new EPC, right? I think that's worth mentioning. So your EPC is valid from 10 years from the commission date. So you can go to, if you Google the EPC register, you can put your postcode in, you can see if there's an EPC. For Unless you're doing what we talked about before, you're putting solar panels on and you want the feeding tariff. And you want a higher feeding tariff. But, but even if I, so if I put an extension on the back of my house, I don't need a new EPC. If I have a valid one, you know, it's valid for 10 years. It doesn't matter what I do to the property, that existing EPC will still be valid. The rating will obviously be different. It's not very good though, is it? So you, you can do no, all No, it's these... not. It's not. But I mean, it's, you know, it's if it's 60 quid mm. that you can save, you know, we're trying to save people money. You don't need to get that EPC until the 10 years is up or you, you know, I can sell a house with an EPC that is eight years old, having done lots of work eight years into the process. And I think that they, they were, yeah, so they were in a design more for the private rental sector because that's the one that sees the, the transactions um, you know if you if I'm a, if I own my own property I'm likely to make improvements to it over time anyway yes so so therefore by the nature of it I am it's becoming more efficient anyway and therefore it's using less carbon so so the bit that they the government can kind of tackle mm -hmm. easier through regulation is is the private rental sector. And, and I think that is also the sector where people historically, so the tenants in those properties have had, had, the, bad, yeah. have had the really bad experiences because you know they're renting a place and the landlord doesn't care about it. Interesting, Harry just um, uh, mentions that in Wales your mortgage rates are now uh, uh, dependent upon the EPC or the EPC rating has uh, an impact. Oh, there we go. Interesting. So it's interesting to see whether that happens in England or Very Scotland, good. so we need to Look into that. So, if anyone anyone knows, yeah, if if um, you know if, if they've had these discussions in Wales and how it's how it's impacted, yeah, feel free to comment because that's a cool. It's a good good thing, yeah. So, so hopefully, guys. So, so this is I think we're coming to an end now. I think this is um, this is our first uh, our first proper try at this. Bit bit raw. Is <laughs> <laughs> um and so you know we we got some really good constructive feedback. I don't want to say criticism last time. So. In the same way, guys, we'd love you to. We'd love to get your thoughts. Um, as I say, this is the green room. This is our first first podcast. Yeah, if you'd like to see guests, or you know, if, if that's uh, you know, if, or if you want like us to talk about something in particular. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got questions, far away, we will endeavour to answer them. I'm not going to say we're always correct, but hopefully, most of the information is pretty accurate. Um, so, uh, just just to, to save the housekeeping, so that the video will be available on on YouTube, also podcast. Yeah, we're going to try it as, a, as, a, as, a, as an audio, hopefully, um, and also the link will be on the YouTube channel, but also on the Green Age website as the sidebar. So the the latest videos and yes uh, po podcasts um, are on the on the top right or on, on the front page. And what we're going to start. So this is this is our first attempt, sort of prior to Christmas, and then I think we're we're going to see how this one goes, and then we will then endeavour to do this weekly um, from the new year. Uh, so hopefully, you know. And in the next one, just feeding a bit more weekly energy news. So we do, uh, uh, we do a publication, or, or Harry does a publication on on the weekly news what's in terms of what's on? what's happened. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's um, hopefully. We can and hopefully, we'll be a bit more relaxed next yes. time. We'll have done one. We'll, yes. we'll have, you know, 
Beer. I blame the lack of cup of tea. That's I don't know. Yeah. Have a beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's Christmas. <laughs> um, so, guys, listen. Thank you for persevering and, and listening to us ramble on. Um, have a fantastic Christmas, uh, and uh, we will catch you in 2019. Yes. Thank you very All much. All the best. <laughs>